what we're working towards is that African countries individually and collectively have a real seat at the table. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to Arrive Voices, the podcast where we engage in insightful conversations with key figures driving sustainable development across the African continent. Today, we have a very special guest joining us from London, Emily Barron, who is Green Industrialization Lead at the Climate Platform for Africa. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Great to, great to join you and thank you so much for having me. So, Just to give our listeners an idea of your background, could you please tell us about the Climate Platform from Africa and your role? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Emily Barron. I um, live and work in Nairobi, but originally from the UK. My career started in Impact um, and working in uh, sort of systems change organizations uh, in education. I then went to business school and started to shift more and more into um, the business side of, of creating impact. Um, and worked, uh, moved to Nairobi and then worked um, uh, as a management consultant working across a number of sectors, including renewable energy. Um, and while doing that and working a lot with SMEs across the continent, started to get a bit frustrated by um, the lack of focus on job creation um, among, among some sectors, not all, but some. Um, and that led me to Climate uh, Action Platform Africa, CAPE, Um, which has a really strong thesis about uh, the role of climate action um, and job creation and how those two things need to be really in lockstep um, on the continent. At what point in your career did business and climate come together? And was listening to engaging uh, on a um, uh, piece of work that I was doing with actually a, a large mining company. Um, which was quite far away from where I'd started and kind of working in children's education 10 years before. And just realized, I think, the scale of change you can achieve when you have really aligned incentives around creating jobs and your license to operate, which is which is true of many companies. And not to say that they're they're perfect, they absolutely aren't, but but they do have this huge mandate, which I found very, very interesting. And then was introduced to to CAPE. Um, and our thesis around how particularly the finance that's coming in on climate can really drive job creation and how these two things need to be really closely tied together was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Is Africa now playing catch up with the rest of the world on sustainability? If you look at, you know, sophistication of industries and track records, um, you know, that easily leads you to, to the uh, assumption that we're in a situation playing catch up. Um, and then if you look at specific economies, for example, Kenya, which has a 92.5% green grid, you would say, oh, you know, perhaps we're, we've leapfrogged. That's always the narrative with, with African countries that they're leapfrogging, um, uh, you know, the West. I, I think our framing is slightly different, which is that to reach a kind of level of sustainable warming globally, um, countries that are currently low income, low emissions on a per capita basis need to take a radically different pathway to, to, the, to the pathway that um, other countries have taken in historically. Um, so we can't afford uh, globally um, for African countries that are currently low emission to grow their economies and also grow their emissions in, in lockstep as we've, as we've seen in the past. Um, and that without, I think it's something like up to 12 
um, gigatons, which we just can't afford. Um, equally, it's morally indefensible to ask countries to stay poor. That's really interesting. And so I'm coming to my next question now. Sounds like there's a massive opportunity for Africa to set a new standard for sustainable practices globally. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting one. I was reflecting on this question um, and, and there's a lot of cynicism and there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't necessarily look to the continent from a global north perspective for kind of best in class in, in terms of practice. But I think the huge advantage that we have across the continent is that we have in lots of places somewhat of a blank slate and we have a, a richness and a depth of resources that you just don't find anywhere else. Um, so the, the volume of renewables and now with, with the kind of price of solar and battery coming down to such a point, um, you don't find that density really anywhere else, you know. It's 40% of the world's renewables, but it's actually 60% of the world's solar. So it's, it, it's, it, there are some challenges and, and threats in that. We can maybe talk about that, but, but there's a huge opportunity. But what that means is that we have a chance to kind of build better from the, from the get-go, right? So in lots of places where you've got very small grids, very underserved populations in terms of energy access, very little industrialization existing, we can actually go you know, we can really define um, what sustainability looks like, what sustainability standards look like um, from the get-go. Thank you so much for this. My next question is, what will it take to develop a new green economy in Africa? But what we really need is a recognition of the central role that Africa can and has to play um, to achieve global ambitions. And that as a as a recompense for playing that role i was in sierra leone in october and the minister for environment described how there's been a new discovery of iron ore deposits um there's a lot of discoveries going on sort of all the lar new largest mining um uh, announcements have been in africa recently and he said you know the thing is 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 that there's a forest on top of the iron ore deposit And that forest is currently providing carbon removal services for free, carbon sequestration. Uh, and uh, globally, the world has to decide which of those things you're going to pay us for, because you have to pay us for one of them. It was an incredibly powerful sort of intervention and I think explanation of exactly the role that the continent needs to play. Because right now there is a huge amount of um, value that is not being properly compensated for. Um, there's a huge amount of value that will get exploited um, because we know that the market forces are at work, especially in the kind of in the extractives industry, and the world is very hungry for those resources. What partnerships and what actors need to be involved to uh, pave the way for a new green economy in Africa? Yeah, um, it, it's a big question and it's definitely sort of why we frame ourselves as a systems orchestrator because we do see it as a, a quite a, an ambitious sort of um, collaboration across a, a huge range of actors. So in the middle and the kind of the, the nucleus of it needs to be the power producers 
um, so utilities and and independent power producers who can produce renewables. Um, the utilities also who who deal with the transmission distribution, coupled with the industrial offtakers of that power. Governments really need to set the the rules of the game both in terms of national policy and um, regional policy. And some of these industries have never existed before, so we're really kind of in in new territory. Um, And then really crucially is is the communities and the people that hopefully will benefit from the employment opportunities, the downstream opportunities, the kind of the surrounding um, benefits. But we really need to build in, to to, to your point about, you know, what's it going to take to build a new sustainable green economy? I think... um, you know, the example and kind of some of the, you know, pioneering work that organizations like Arise have done um, does create a lot of uh, momentum and an optimism for some of the other sectors that we need to, to sort of um, develop this green industrialization approach for. So when we talk about heavy industries, we're talking about pretty serious amounts of, of capital, time frame, etc. I think it's also going to take a really structured engagement and discussion with off-takers. Yeah, absolutely. Makes total sense. Um, Thank you. I wonder, what do you think is the role of businesses and what role do businesses have to play in green industrialization? So it's a central role. I think what we need to do as the kind of organizations that sit around and collaborate with is really make that case around revenue really crystal clear. Um, and so it is going to be a collaboration. And then I think the important thing is to come to an understanding between governments, communities and business on how that mutual benefit occurs um, and how to create the value um, in those in those kind of mutual operations. And I think in some cases that's going to mean you know, there's going to be huge dividends. Hopefully, if, 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 if we see the progress that we're looking for, um, there should be huge rewards and making sure that those are captured and shared equitably. So I think it's, it's a couple of things from business. I think one is um, engaging with those who are, you know, in government, working with government, um, working with communities to understand kind of what, what is it going to take from business's side um, to get these projects up and running. Um, and then two, it's sort of being transparent as possible on what's working, what's not working. Something we hear from investors a lot is, um, you know, we need to see the data on these projects. It's not the first wave of projects isn't to see kind of wild success. Wild success would be great, but what we really need to see is just the data. Um, and then we can understand how these investments are going to work. Um, how they're going to behave and then we can start to build the right types of financial instruments to support this agenda going forward. And so what what is your ambition for Africa in the next 10 years? I think for us what we want to see ultimately what we're working towards is that African countries individually and collectively have a real seat at the table. in, in global negotiations, in trade agreements, um, in the setting of the rules of the game um, that have frankly led us to the point that we're in now um, and, and sort of in the remaking of, of the new green economy um, that we need to be building. I think to get there, there has to be a real recognition and um, 
real value has to be created by some of these green economy um, and green industrialization projects. Um, and unfortunately, it's only going to be through that quite blunt instrument, that demonstration of return, um, that you will see capital starting to move, um, that you will see kind of supply chains shifting. And I think it's for civil society, for the philanthropic community to make sure that, and, and working you know, in partnership with communities, to make sure that this is, is done in a kind of just and equitable way. Um, and I, I think that's the one that, kind of keeps me up at night a bit because I think that's the one that's least inevitable um, you know building new markets for commodities the world has done that over and over and over there's no there's no mystery or, or kind of um, uh, you know concerns about how to do that but doing that in a very different way to, us, to how it's been done before I think is new um, and, and that's the thing that I think we, need, we most need to focus on Brilliant. I think we've covered most of my questions. So thank you very much for that. I would like to ask you for one more favor. Uh, we love to share with our audience a book recommendation from our guests and a recommendation of the next person we should invite to our podcast. So if you don't mind sharing that with us, it will be very much appreciated. Yeah, of course. Um, so the book I would recommend is called Material World by Ed Conway. Um, and it is an account of six materials that make up the current and, and future world. Um, and it really, um, I've learned a huge amount from it. I'm actually still reading it. Um, it's very readable, but it really dives into how, how does our world work <laughs> um, through, the, through the supply chains of, of different particular materials. So um, sand, iron, copper, I'm not going to remember them all, salt lithium oil um, and and it's absolutely brilliant so I think it really trying to understand kind of what are we going to need for this energy transition as a, a globally um, and then it really starts to kind of highlight some of the market forces at play and, and why um, why the world is the way it is basically um, uh, and then the person I would recommend you speak to um, would be a friend and um very close collaborator, uh, Joyce Kabui, um, who is coordinator of the Africa Green Hydrogen Alliance. Um, and we didn't speak too much about specific kind of areas of industrialization, but, but green hydrogen is certainly the one that is proceeding at the fastest pace, um, both with kind of small scale installations and, and huge projects. Um, and Joyce um, has got a really good uh, understanding and, and um, Uh, just a clarity uh, around how that market's evolving. Um, so very much recommend you chat to her. That's really excellent advice and I look forward to hopefully speaking to Joyce very soon. Emily, thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. Thanks to our audience for listening and please remember to share and leave your comments. See you soon on Arise Voices.